Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps Doctor Who. Today we are on Season 1, Episode 3, The Unquiet Dead. Uh, so, what transpires? Well, we open in the funeral parlor of Sneed and Company in Victorian England. Mr. Redpath grieves over the open casket holding his dead grandmother, Mrs. Peace. Closing his eyes in sorrow, he does not see a blue glowing vapor wash over the corpse and enter it. Mrs. Peace's eyes snap open and she grabs Redpath by the throat, strangling him to death. Gabriel Sneed, the undertaker, rushes in and tries to close the lid on the reanimated corpse, but she knocks him unconscious to the floor and gets up and wanders onto the street, wailing. Sometime later, Gwyneth, Sneed's servant girl, returns from looking after the carriage horses in the stables to find Sneed recovering from the cadaver's attack. This is not the first time there have been incidents of this sort in the funeral home, and Gwyneth tells Sneed that they need to get help. Sneed protests that it is not his fault. They have to get Mrs. Pierce back before she does any damage. In the hearse, Sneed orders Gwyneth to use her clairvoyant abilities to seek out the dead woman, and Gwyneth focuses on the old woman's last desire to see Charles Dickens, who's giving a reading in a music hall in town at Tallison Lodge. Dickens himself is in a melancholic mood as he waits for his stage call. He feels old, is estranged from his family, and his imagination is growing thin. He feels he has seen all there is to see. Meanwhile, in the TARDIS, uh, the Doctor and Rose Tyler are having a rather rough ride as the ship shakes and they hold on to the console. The Doctor aims uh, for Naples in 1860. Uh, when they land, Rose is about to rush out. When the Doctor tells her that she would start a riot in her 21st century clothing. Uh, more on this later. Uh, Rose returns a more suitable attire, an off-the-shoulder gown. <laughs> yeah. The Doctor admires her beauty, considering that she's a human. Uh, they step into the snow-covered streets of history. The doctor realizes when he buys a newspaper that his aim was a bit off. It's Christmas Eve, 1869, and they're in Cardiff, not Naples. In the music hall, Dickens gives a reading, Keeley, of A Christmas Carol. Just as he reaches the point where Marley's face appears in Scrooge's door knocker, he stops short. In the audience, Mrs. Pierce begins to glow blue. Vapor pours out of her mouth and an ethereal gas with a vaguely humanoid shape sweeps around the hall, emitting ghastly screams and sending the audience into a panic. The screams attract Rose and the doctor as well as Sneed and Gwyneth. The vapor completely leaves the dead woman's body and is sucked into a gas lamp as the body collapses. Dickens accuses the doctor of being responsible for the illusion. Sneed and Gwyneth carry the limp body out. Rose goes in pursuit, and Sneed uses chloroform on her, bundling her into the hearse with the dead woman. The doctor commandeers Dickens's coach. Uh, the writer's protests vanish when the doctor discovers who he is and gushes over his genius. More on this later. Uh, when the doctor tells him about Rose, Dickens chivalrously joins the chase. 
Rose awakens in the locked viewing gallery of the funeral parlor, just as the gas takes over Redpath's body. As the doctor and Dickens arrive at the parlor and force their way in, Mr. Redpath and his grandmother climb out of their coffins to attack Rose. The house's gas lights flicker. The doctor realizes there is something living in the pipes. He hears Rose's cries and breaks the door down, pulling her away from the corpses. He asks them who they are. The corpses cry that they are dying because the Cardiff Rift, more on this later, is failing and these forms cannot be sustained. The screaming blue vapors stream out of the dead and the bodies collapse again. After recovering from the incident, Gwyneth pours the doctor's tea just the way he likes it with two sugars. Without asking him what his preference is, Rose lashes out at Sneed for drugging her, kidnapping her, and locking her in a room full of zombies. Justifiable complaint there. Uh, the stricken Sneed explains that the house has a reputation as haunted, which is why he bought it at such a low cost. Uh, the doctor tells him that the house was built on top of the rift, a crack in space-time that's growing. Yes. These entities are from across the universe. Dickens is skeptical, refusing to believe that there are ghosts in the gas pipes. The doctor informs him that dead bodies release gas when they decompose, making ideal vehicles for these gaseous aliens. Dickens tells the doctor shakily that if what he has seen is true, then perhaps his entire life spent fighting against injustice and for social causes in what he thought was the real world has been for nothing. The doctor attempts to reassure him that the real world is still the same, there's just more of it than Dickens previously believed. Rose talks to Gwyneth, finding out that she was taken in by Sneed when she was 12 after her parents died. The two girls initially get along, and then Gwyneth channels the spirit of Melisandre and sees the future in Rose's mind, but is shocked when she sees the things Rose has experienced with the doctor. She apologizes, admitting her clairvoyance and saying her abilities have been growing stronger recently. The doctor has been listening and surmises that Gwyneth's abilities are due to her growing up in this house over the rift. She is the key. He suggests they hold a seance. Gwyneth summons the aliens who speak through her. They identify themselves as the Gelf, a species whose bodies were destroyed in the last great time war, which left them facing extinction in a gaseous state. The few Gelf remaining need to come through the rift take over dead bodies to survive. Rose is repulsed by the idea, but the doctor insists that they help. Gwyneth will stand at the spot of the rift down in the morgue and allow the Gelf to use her as a bridge. Rose continues to protest. She knows the Gelf do not succeed because the future does not have walking dead. Uh, but the doctor tells her that time is constantly in flux. The future can be rewritten. Nothing is safe. In any case, Gwyneth wants to help her angels. The doctor warns the Gelf that this is only a temporary solution. Once they possess the bodies, he will take them to another place where they can build permanent ones. However, when Gwyneth stands at the rift and the Gelf begin to come through, the numbers are a few billion, much more <laughs> than they originally implied. Uh -huh. They show their true colors. Only uh -huh. dead corpses are not enough for them. They will kill to supply themselves with more hosts and occupy the planet. 
Gwyneth stands motionless at the position of the rift as the Gelfs stream in. Sneed demands Gwyneth to stop, only to have his neck snapped by a reanimated corpse and be taken over. Dickens, overwhelmed, flees as the Doctor and Rose are backed into a corner. The Doctor apologizes to Rose that she is going to die over a century before she was born, but she assures him that she wanted to come. The Doctor and Rose hold hands as they prepare to go out fighting together. He tells Rose he is glad he met her. She replies the same and they share a final smile. Outside, Dickens sees a pursuing Gelf get sucked into a gas lamp on the street with a scream. Suddenly, he has an idea. He rushes back into the house, turning off the flames and turning up the gas. He goes into the morgue doing the same, explaining to the doctor what he is doing. These creatures are gaseous, so the moment the house is filled with gas, the Gelf will be sucked out of the corpses like poison from a wound. This is precisely what happens as the Gelf pour out of the collapsing corpses, screaming and swirling around in the confines of the morgue. The doctor tells Gwyneth to send them back, but she says she is only strong enough to hold them here. She takes out a box of matches from her apron, but Rose won't let her carry it through. Uh, the doctor tells Dickens to get Rose out before the two succumb to the gas fumes. He attempts to convince Gwyneth to leave the Gelf to him. But as he touches her neck, however, he discovers the truth and leaves. Gwyneth lights a match, and the house and the Gelf are consumed in an explosion. Uh, the doctor tells Rose that when he checked Gwyneth's pulse, he realized she was dead, and probably had been from the moment she stood in the rift. Rose does not understand because Gwyneth spoke to them and saved them. In response, Dickens quotes Shakespeare, specifically Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 5. There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Rose looks sadly at the ruins of the funeral home and mournfully states she saved the world, a servant girl no one will ever know. Uh, Dickens thanks the doctor as they stand in front of the TARDIS. Dickens has overcome his depression and has regained his thirst for knowledge and adventure. The things he has seen tonight have given him hope. There is more to learn. He plans to patch things up with his family and finish. The mystery of Edwin Drood, identifying the murderer as a blue elemental to warn humanity of the Gelf. He asks the doctor if his books will last. The doctor assures a smiling Dickens that his work will last forever. Inside the TARDIS, Rose asks if Dickens' writing about what they just experienced will change history. The doctor tells her that Dickens will never get to write his story. As he dies the following year, and the mystery of Edwin Drood will never be finished. Right now, though, they have made him more alive than he has been in a long time. The doctor decides to give Dickens one final surprise, as Dickens watches in wonderment as the TARDIS fades away before his eyes. So, that is what transpires in this installment. So, what do you have to add? Boy. <laughs> or questions to ask, or any of that good stuff here? Boy, you do a good job on the plot there. Covers the plot inside and out. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> there's not much to add. Um, once again, I thought this was a pretty decent episode. Um, reading about it here, uh, some other things here. The person who played Gwyneth, Eve Miles, mm -hmm. um, and this is something I, I mean, you probably know, but I didn't know at all. Uh, she actually goes on to play Gwen Cooper in the Doctor Who spin-off series, Torchwood. 
I didn't yep. know Torchwood was a spinoff series. Yep. Hmm. Okay, well, that's pretty interesting. I'm not sure how long Torchwood last, lasted, but I don't think it's still on. Uh, three seasons, okay. and then, like, a movie or two, or, right. like, extended special thing. Okay. I got the whole series over there, but, yeah. Ah, okay. That sounds pretty good. The person who played uh, Dickens mm -hmm. um, was pretty good. As Dickens, I thought, and of course, now that I read about him, I see why he was pretty good at portraying Dickens. Um, he's done it a lot, apparently, and apparently he's going to do it again in this series later on. Uh, uh, really? I don't recall that we encounter Dickens again. Um, uh, I know we, I know we hang out with Shakespeare. The Wedding of River Song. He will return to reprise his role as Dickens briefly. So it's very brief in that episode. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, pretty good. Uh, the one thing I'd have a question about, and that's when uh, Rose changes into that 1869 outfit. Yeah. And it's shoulderless. Um, I just isn't, I'm not too sure that was a style in 1869. Um, it I don't know. Seems a little, um, a little too much. But I, I believe that's what the one lady there that was from 1869 was hinting like, <laughs> you're showing your shoulders there, lady. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah, I guess. Uh, um, okay, yeah, looking at the Wedding of River song. Yeah, okay, he is credited as Charles Dickens. I don't remember that part. Okay. I don't, there, there's a lot of other stuff in the episode, so I don't really remember that part, but okay. Okay. I guess, yeah, given the other greater implications of what's going on, he probably does show up, yeah. I mean... Given everything else that's going on there, yeah, okay. I have no idea, but that's my only... Uh, Things on this, I guess. Okay. Uh, so, uh, my brief note. So, firstly, uh, very importantly, uh, this is our first episode not written by Russell T. Davies, uh, which that in and of itself doesn't really matter too much, but Keeley, written by Mark Gaddis, who will write a lot of other episodes throughout the show as well. Uh, we visit 1869, our first adventure into the past, which takes place canonically. On Christmas, obviously the first of the revival to do so, obviously with only three episodes, uh, which we will get one of those every season up until 11 when they uh, decided to not do Christmas specials anymore. Uh, the Doctor also establishes that the TARDIS is very large on the interior with lots of corridors and rooms. This will matter a lot more when we get uh, into Capaldi. Uh, this will matter a lot more in the future. Um, also, he forces Rose to dress in period-appropriate clothing, which uh, this also comes and goes throughout the series. Sometimes they do this, most of the time they don't, and no one ever addresses it. It is what it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> we have our first encounter with a psychic character, Gwyneth, 
We'll have more dealings with them in the future. And our first notable historical figure, Charles Dickens. We'll also have more of those in the future as well. Uh, we deal with a non-humanoid foe for the first time with the Gelf. Uh, we are introduced to the idea of space-time rifts. Places that are weakened between one world and another. This one specifically the Cardiff space-time rift, which matters later in this season, as well as being pretty much the entire core focus of the first season of the Torchwood spinoff series. Ah. Uh, this episode also gives us an example of the general public forgetting alien attacks or strange circumstances with everyone rushing out of the Dickens Theater with the woman shooting smoke out of her face and everything. Forgotten about completely. Yes. Which, that is also a very core, important element to the series as a whole, is that humanity never remembers when alien invasions happen. <laughs> very important to the core principles of the show. Okay. <laughs> we learn very keyly for an episode later this season, Rose's father died a while ago. Not very specific here. It's very vague that he just died a while ago. Mm -hmm. uh, more on that later this season. We also hear about two important prophecies for the future of the series. The Darkness, which we'll get back to in Season 4 with Donna. And we also hear about the Big Bad Wolf, uh, both here when Gwyneth channels Melisandre from Game of Thrones and stares into Rose's eyes and sees these things. Uh, okay. Very Two very important prophecies for the future of the show. Uh, we hear more about the Time War, this time from the uh, viewpoint of the Gelf, that it raged and devastated higher life forms. Uh, and we can also see the pain wash across the Doctor's face when it is brought up. Uh, we, this is our first instance, and we will see many times in the future, uh, multiple foes prey upon Earth by using humanity's unique relationship with the dead in the future. Uh, the doctor explains to us uh, that anyone can die at any point, regardless of what period in time they are in. Uh, so you can die years before you're born. You can die many, many years after you theoretically should have died. Uh, whatever happens can happen. Very important, uh, obviously, for the future of the show as well there. Uh, and then, on an artistic level... Uh, I guess. I don't really know how else to quantify these. Okay. Um, this episode makes a couple of interesting connections to later episodes. We meet Charles Dickens on Christmas, and he is reciting a Christmas carol on stage. And later we obviously get a Christmas special. It is a loose adaptation of a Christmas carol with the Doctor playing the role of the ghosts uh, during uh, Matt Smith's run. Uh, additionally, the Doctor kind of starts to actually develop some sort of a relationship at all uh, with Rose Tyler here in Victorian times, much like uh, Matt Smith's Doctor again uh, with his first meeting with Clara Oswald, also in Victorian times on Christmas. And then lastly, uh, Eccleston's Doctor's love of Dickens Reminds me a lot of Capaldi's Doctor's love for music in general, but specifically electric guitar and Beethoven uh, that Capaldi's Doctor brings up a lot. It's very weird, uh, or it's kind of interesting more so. 
Uh, and then we have three other events that the doctor places himself as having been at or around. The Fall of Troy, World War V, and the Boston Tea Party. Yes. He was involved with all of those in some way. He was throwing boxes out. Yes. Uh, yes. So, that would also imply, of course, there's a World War Three and Four. so that sounds like fun. Uh, but anyway, that's all I got for this one. Do you have anything to add or anything here? No, I don't believe so. Nope. Well, I guess that'll do it for this episode of the Glide TV Recaps, the Golden uh, the Doctor Who. We're not on the Golden Girls anymore. Uh, okay. So what happens when you cut, do one intro and outro for seven or eight months there. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening to this episode of the Glide TV Recaps, Doctor Who. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the show for more great content like this. And until our next episode, goodbye.